Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast as we preview Sunderland versus Coventry City this weekend at the Stadium of Light, which proves to be, yet again, one of those must-win games towards the end of the season. Uh, in the studio tonight with me, we have Richard Easterbrook. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you very much. It's just me and you tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's a busy schedule before the end of the season, Richard. The yeah, games, are, games are coming thick and fast. Exactly. We've got to rotate our squad as, as much as Sunderland do. So. Well, there might be something in that. Uh, I don't know where to start. Let's start up talking about, I know we've probably touched upon this several times. I mean, you haven't spoke about this, certainly not on mic. Did you have a nice time in London, Wembley? I had a lovely old time in London. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was fraught with issues in the run-up to the, to the actual event. Yeah, you had some kind of uh, issues at home, didn't you? Yeah. My, in, the, in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. No, my, but, my wife very inconveniently... Uh, got uh, appendicitis and um but that knocked me out over christmas i didn't get a yeah, cool away because of it, that it, it it completely knocks you out and but on the on, on our deathbed which actually she's fine yeah, by the way. yeah. she didn't die she, yeah, no no she uh she gave me the green light to go along to wembley so. and you took something special down to wembley with you didn't you I you did. were working on it for a long time I did. it's a uh i don't know if the listeners know but you actually made uh a checker trade trophy didn't you out of tinfoil i did yeah and what was the reaction walking around London with that? Well, it had I'd, I'd made the base as well um, out, of, out of black electrical tape yeah. just for extra authenticity. Yeah. Um, and that was a bad, bad move because it made it look a bit like a machete. Oh, right. Um, so did you so, have something like terrorist police kind of? No, I had to kind of hold it aloft and make it clear that this is a tinfoil trophy Yeah. on the Saturday. On the Sunday, it was fine because I was wearing my Sunderland shirt and it was it was you know fairly noticeable that it was a, a football trophy. But you took um, it out around on, on yeah, the Saturday as well. Yeah, I took it to the live pod down at uh, Southwark Brewery. Yeah, you did, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was, it was upstaged by the actual FA Cup. Um, which replica. Came, yeah, the, the replica, which came along with uh, Sunderland Museum that night. And Bobby Kerr. Yeah, on Bobby Kerr as well, yeah. yeah. Well, that, the actual Bobby Kerr that wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a replica. wasn't a replica. But although that would have been quite funny. There could be a few, though. Is there a business, do you think there's a, there's a, a, a job in that, uh, impersonating a 73 squad member and doing, like, you know, football presentations, that kind of thing? Well, probably now at the stage. Like, probably missed a chance now. They could have been doing it for 40 years. Of... Yeah, well, you could you could just say, oh, I was on the bench. And, yeah. You know, people younger than us would would have gone, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Then... Yeah. Could have duped us all for years. I might start telling people. Did, were people, were people stopping you in the street to hold and get pictures taken with the tinfoil cup? Would you say it would be something people should do in future? Um, uh, my experience of it was that I didn't get stopped. Um, right, and the only people, people kind that, of avoided you because they thought yeah, you were a bit. Yeah, the only people that did kind weird. of, I hold it aloft were, were were members of the Wise Men Say team. Yeah, briefly, Stephen Elliott held it aloft. That's good. He did it almost kind of um, like he'd been asked to do it, oh, and right. he didn't want to do it. No. Um, which kind of went against the whole thing. Yeah, but false after, fun. Well, yeah. After after the kind of after the results, after the penalties, it it, it just stayed on the concrete. Yeah, um, that's where it went left. Yeah, I kind of hope that you could. You didn't do any kind of like ceremonial throwing it into the Thames or anything like that. You know, Ooh, so, a long way from the Thames. That was the problem. Yeah. So I would have still had to trudge through the rest of London minute with it, and I just thought I don't I don't want to be opening myself up to that kind of ridicule. So yeah. I'll just leave it where it was. Hopefully, some of the Wembley staff would would you, come in and. Did you stamp on it? It, had, it was stamped on when McGeady scored that equaliser. Oh, um, why? Why was it stamped on when he scored the equaliser? Because another reason that I didn't hold it aloft during the game was because I was in, on, I was on level five. Right. Um. So nowhere near any TV cameras. Right. Which would usually capture. Damn. You know, a Sunderland fan getting into the spirit of things. You should have passed it down. 
should have done, shouldn't I? Should have. Oh, you never yeah. thought about this. Well, Enough he, about the the, uh, yeah. the tinfoil uh, trophy. We didn't want to win the trophy anyway, did we? No. Well, no. It was it was it was pointless. Yeah. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse cup. <laughs> uh, we had a we had a good time, but I guess we start on there because we didn't expect the reaction we got from the lads post Wembley. You know, we had we had the the media game on the Wednesday night at Accrington, then we went to Rochdale, won both of them. And then we had the game on Tuesday evening, which has been covered, of course, in the reaction pod, but we haven't covered it here on the preview pod. And it finished 1-1. Now, if you were to say to me, when I was boarding the tube back into central London after, you know, the 120 minutes penalty shootout misery, that we would bounce back in such a manner and have uh, seven points from from three games, I wouldn't have even believed you, never mind uh, taking your hand off. Uh, and we did, though, and... You know, Tuesday wasn't probably the result we were hoping for, but we found ourselves second in the league. Yeah, I think we've reacted in in the best possible way. I think seven points from nine is is fantastic, really. I mean, a lot of the conversation after Wembley was, you know, it's a free hit. It was a a day out for us all. There's going to be no bad consequences from this game. But that said, this could it it could have an effect. You know, mm. it could send us into some kind of hangover from that but mm. there was absolutely no signs of that straight away from the Accrington game um, going out and winning emphatically like that on that surface then following up with the Rochdale win um, coming from behind again to show, show the character that they've shown which apparently was a worse surface than the Accrington one yeah yeah for different ways yeah I was say at least Accrington was flat apparently Rochdale was not flat right I know that's worse yeah well I think it's it's a, that stage of the season now isn't it even, even our pitch is it's starting to show a few. Uh... Don't let Spuggy the groundsman hear you say that. Well, it, you I, I, I bet in the terms of the league, we still have probably the best pitch, though. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think, you'd have thought so. Um, I think on on Tuesday there was a couple of bubbles, noticeably. Um, <laughs> Dylan McGeoch. Yeah, well, that that was one. Did I, he blame that on the bubble? I, I would blame it on the bubble if he could take it. You'd take it. It took he? not only us out of the game, but himself out of the game as well. Yeah, he seemed to be was... injured from that point as well, didn't he? It's a bit of a shame for him because he's he's done he's done well since since kind of replacing uh, replacing Lee Catamull in the team. Mm-hmm. He's he hasn't had much chances recently. He's hadn't had hasn't had a sniff of the ball. You know he hasn't he hasn't had much time on on the pitch at all. So so to get that opportunity, you know, in two games, make it a third and kind of stake his claim before mm. Catamull comes back, he's he's kind of lost that chance now, which is a bit of a shame. It is a bit of a shame, and I guess we're we're not. I, I'm not massively disappointed about Tuesday's result, but you almost feel like we. You know, we because of what happened in the previous games, our hopes were built up that we would, you know, take on Burton and beat the ultimately beat them at home. But they've been proved to be a bit of a bogey team of ours, and there was even a deja vu moment of that famous game which relegated us down to League One, where we scored a goal. And not many people spoke about this. I don't think we've even spoke about it on the group chat either. But what was the, what, what was the infringement on the goal which would have saw us two one up? Well, I didn't. I was over in the east stand towards the south, so. I, so I, couldn't really see it as much, but by by the looks of it, it, looked like someone was backing into the. I think it was Sterling possibly backing into the uh, into Keep. the keeper. Mm. So it, it looked like the one there was that that the, that the referee would give. Well, the referee didn't give us anything all night, so he's not going to yeah. give us give us that. A, a bit of a comment on the referee the other evening. I'm I'm just completely surprised that that Jack Ross in the in the aftermath of the game. Gave such a, a a kind of a calm and measured response to the to the referee's performance because I I still can't bring myself to to be anywhere near complimentary what, about him. What was your favourite moment from the referee on Tuesday night? Uh, the 
our our corner. Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. Explain this to the listeners who well, might not have heard. It was I can't remember who put who ruled it out. It I think it came off one of the uh, one of the Burton defenders, and it ruled out clearly for a Thorian. And I was in as I say I was I was halfway halfway down the pitch from it, and I just sat back down and went oh, that's that then. Yeah, the referees pointing towards the corner and the, <laughs> the linesman kind of sheepishly agreed well yeah he did that thing where he didn't really want to give it and he just kind of like half pointed his flag <laughs> yeah. down at the corner there's a lot of that going on i know yeah throwing yeah. that kind of thing yeah it was like i'm not gonna give this but but yeah and suddenly saw ledbetter trotting over to take the corner yeah unbelievable we did, yeah we came so close to getting that winner of course uh charlie white right amongst it Getting into the positions, uh, I think the second chance was a lot harder. You know, the, the, the spin on for the first time volley, which hit the yeah. bar in the second half. But that first half chance was probably the best opportunity of the game for anyone. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't take it, did he? I think I was I was kind to him on the night. I said, you know, I don't think he was expecting to get it. Well, it, it, was... it, did, it did go through from the cross from the right. It did go through a defender's legs, I yeah. think, and almost found himself. But, he, you know, he's in the six-yard box. He's got to put that either side of the keeper, surely. Yeah, the re- the replays that I've seen show that he had a little more time than I perhaps mm-hmm. thought he had at the time. He could have he could have done something better than what he did with it. But you know what? Charlie White has been in the last three games for us ever since the Walsall game. Yeah. Um, He's been he's been fantastic, and I'll give like he was one of our. Player. Even though he missed those opportunities, he probably was one of our better players on Tuesday night because yeah. of his work rate and willingness to. He mixed things up. He was definitely a handful for their defenders, and we should just say that Burton they're not a bad side, and they, I don't think their league position is a fair uh, judgment of the t- the team they are. No, not at all. Um, I mean, uh, they looked that they were very they were very. Um, professional in how they were doing things as a proper league one side yeah. um, without being too disrespectful to no. them because they were good on the break mm-hmm. but they were very solid very compact and um, very organised yeah they knew every little trick in the book as well there was little you know little pushes here and there and yeah. the, you know the, the, the kind of had had um, Wyke's card marked quite early on with a couple of pushes and mm. left him on the deck just to kind of let them know that they were there and it was, it was very very kind of Obviously, one performance. What did you think of the late challenge on Benji Kimpioka when he kind of beat everyone on the pitch and looked like he was steaming towards the box and he was absolutely wiped out a la Max Power earlier in the season? Yeah. Who saw a straight red for pretty much the same tackle? Yeah, I don't think any of us expected the referee to give it. No. By that stage. No, what, um, even the free kick. <laughs> there'd been a challenge earlier on where, where he didn't even, didn't even give a free kick. Yeah. Um I can't remember who who went through who but it was it was clearly a free kick nobody flagged and our players didn't put up a, an an appeal of any sort I, I I kind of thought did this actually happen Um do you think that's that's something that the side needs to get a hold of do you think perhaps maybe the the captain George Honeyman needs to be more in the face of the league one referees I think there's a little bit of that I know Jack Ross is and his staff are reluctant to be that type of person to, to jump up and and appeal for a decision. Yeah. But you see it happen to us all the time that you know just a little bit of a a little bit of a reaction to it. Mm. But whenever whenever there's something happens right in front of Jack Ross, he never reacts. Mm. You never see him ranting and raving on the on the touchline. You never see his staff getting involved either. Yeah, I, well, well with, I would with argue the accept, with the exception of the uh the the uh was it the the Wickham game. Oh yeah. I mean, I, from where I stand in, in the ground, I often see uh, Jack Ross's staff um, 
you know, having a go at the fourth official and try and put pressure on that way. But really, what's, what's that going to do apart from get themselves in, into a bit of trouble? And we're going to start looking forward now. We are playing commentary at the weekend and there are no slouches either. Uh, they're currently ninth in the league. Some interesting stats around them, though. So they've won uh, 16, drawn 10. One of them was against us, of course, away at their place back on 29th of September. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. They've lost 15. They've only scored 45 goals and have also conceded 45 goals. And for scoring 45 goals, that's pretty much the, one of the lowest um, scoring records in the league. Uh, they're currently on 58 points as well. So, you know, they, they've got something to play for, though. Uh, and the no slouches, like I said. That, that, that last game, guess what the, the back four was and that last starting back four was down at uh, Coventry. Can you remember what it was? Uh, I guess it was Oviedo, uh, Flanagan, Baldwin, and Matthews, I guess. Well, I had to look this up. Flanagan, Baldwin, Leuvens, and oh. Hume started for Sunderland that day. Uh, it was 1-1, of course. Catamull um, got us back, uh, well, equalised, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, early in the second half. And then it was the game where Lyndon Gooch got injured but had to carry on playing because we got a couple of injuries that day and he completed the game with an injury and was very blatantly injured and was then subsequently out for a few games after that as well. Yeah. Um, he was playing up front as well, wasn't he? In the, in the well, in the end, he was like hopping, I think, mm. on, on, on one leg. Um, the, like I say, the no slouches, um, but they haven't really scored that many goals. Will that work in our favour at the weekend, Richard? It's it's a stage of the season where kind of any, I don't want to use cliches, but what the hell, it's <laughs> all form kind of goes out the window. It's when 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 two teams have got something to play for, it's it's uh, it's a different kettle of fish, and a lot of the teams that come to us um, do raise the game, you know, ten twenty percent. I know Coventry are a big club themselves, and they've, they've been used to having. Big mm. games at big stadiums, and their, their their own stadium is isn't exactly tiny as well. It's the second biggest in the league. Just on that, in the last couple of hours, if you are listening to this on Thursday evening, uh, Coventry have confirmed that they do plan to leave the Rico, uh, which has been their home uh, since two thousand and five, with the exception of one season away. Uh, they are going to leave and ground share, and uh, you know that's quite sad, isn't it? When a football club has to leave their their home, they of course were at Highfield Road for over a hundred mm. years. It's Part of the home's part of the identity of a football club, isn't it, Richard? So whenever you whenever you see a club un, under new ownership, when they split the club and the the football stadium, and it's owned by different people and they're paying rent, you always start to wonder, you know, how long is that going to last? And well, this know, is topical for Sunderland yeah. as well, isn't it? Mm. And it's it, you, you get you do because you know our our greatest asset is, is our is our stadium and the training ground. And if we were ever to lose that or ever think, oh, it's a good idea to sell it off to someone else to raise some, raise a quick book. So I don't think it's going to be, in Sunderland's <clears> case, it wouldn't be an ownership of it. I think it would be a, like a sponsorship yeah. of the name to then have their name in the, the title, like the John Smith Stadium, blah, 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 blah yeah. that kind of thing. Do you think, are you, are you personally a bit precious about that kind of thing? Not at all, not with the stadium, no. Um yeah, I was I was never a massive fan. I think I've spoke about this before. I was never a massive fan of the name Stadium of Light. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about when it was named because it was kind of just <clears throat> Bob Murray was like, "This is my stadium. It's going to be called the Stadium of Light." Yeah. I remember, you know, twenty one years ago, I was only a kid, but I do distinctly remember thinking, "Well, do you know what? I, I, I'm not that keen on it." And I, because some people, a lot of our supporters now have never have never been to Rock Park. This is their stadium, so perhaps it means a little bit more to them than it does to us. But I must say, over the years, 
you know, it, it I have become a little bit precious of, of the name that stayed in my light. Uh, I didn't like it initially. I remember being initially miffed at the fact we, we called out stadium and there was already a stadium called that, of course. Benfica, yeah. I think. Uh, the stadium's called the Stadium of Light. Um, so, but, but, but I don't think I would be uh, against, as long as it was the right or a, a, certainly a fitting brand to come in. Yeah, I, I don't want it to be like the B&M Stadium. Yeah, that's the issue. That's, I know we spoke about this a few a few months ago when when there was talk about maybe one of the stands being... It was when this when the uh, Roger end yeah. had, had come into being and they were talking about whether there should be sponsorship of the stands um, or sponsorship of the actual stadium. And my view at the time was that if it's a long-term partner, just like Etihad um, have with, with Manchester City and like yeah. the Emirates have with, with Arsenal, it's always known as the Emirates, even though it's it's never been known as anything else other than the Emirates Stadium. But what kind of thing do you think we should be as a, as a club? I mean, there's one obvious one. Nissan would be yeah. a great one. But, you know, if things was been happening over there, you'd probably think that's probably not possible. I always wonder. I never understood why they'd never been on the front of a shirt. Yeah, it's all, I mean, we've always had that link with, with Vox. And then when, when the Vox deal ended... Reg Vardy. Yeah, as well. Reg Vardy, that was another Sunderland brand. Yeah. Uh, we haven't partnered with a Sunderland brand since since Tombola, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, another company, though, who are doing quite well in the city. They've just built a new headquarters down by the River Wheel. Yeah. It looks pretty swish. But I would love to see a northeast or certainly Sunderland or northeast brand, uh, if, they were, if we were going to do it. I mean, I'd hate to think it was like, I don't know, the Tampon Arena. And that's, <laughs> or Tampax, that's the brand name I was looking yeah. for. You know, um, I'd be worried. I'd be worried. It has to be appropriate, it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it, does. it has to be. It has to be relevant and has to be something that that isn't derided, doesn't change every every three months. See, you know, you look at the the clubs that have had multiple ground sponsorships, like Bradford. You don't. I, I can't remember who sponsors yeah. Bradford at the moment. In terms, yeah. of, I think it's a conservatory supplier or something. Oh, really? And. Yeah, and, and it's it's. But if it's a difference, yeah. Richard, of you getting or pay, certainly paying for uh, Will Griggs' wages for the next two years, it's it's a compromise you've got to take. You know? Yeah, and I was I was saying this on the on the group chat earlier that that our our main revenue stream now is 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 the the money that you get through the gate. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, yeah, and obviously there'll be commercial deals to be done, but in the Premier League, the main source of of cash was through the TV deal. Mm. So. We didn't need to do anything like this, but now we have to consider different ways of bringing money in at the football club. Yeah. And if that means the difference between keeping someone like Will Grigg mm. or Lee Catamull at mm. the club, that we have to do a deal, but it has to be the right one, right one for the club, and there has to be the, the you know the right one for the city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking back um, at the the weekend's game, just do we we kind of touched upon it briefly, but do we go all out? You know, do we? Does Jack Ross have to be brave? You know, go on all out attack now, or do you do you be cautious at this stage in the this, this season and hope to get the the one nil win? His critics would say he does that anyway, but I don't believe for a second that the players aren't out on the pitch trying to not get that second goal. You know? Yeah, I think I think we're in a good we're in a good situation now where we're not we're coming at the end of us having to play catch up. Mm. Um, you know, t- taking that game in hand and, and getting a point from it um, puts us in a in a more health in a healthier position. You know, looking looking forward, you can see the teams around us, with the exception of Luton. I was going to ask: Are yeah. Charlton a threat? I think Charlton are a threat. I think Portsmouth are definitely a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a game in hand. Um, they're playing Rochdale at the weekend mm-hmm. at home, and 
you know, if, if they win their game in hand, that'll put them above Barnsley. Mm-hmm. The wheels seem to be coming off at Barnsley at the exactly yeah, I mean, time the, for them. Exactly. They seem to survive Kiefer Moore's injury initially, but mm. I, I watched that Walsall game, and Walsall were probably the better team, and very, very unlucky to concede that late goal. And, of course, things would be a little bit different at the top of the table if that result did come in for Sunderland. But you, so you think in the, maybe the dark horses are Charlton... Uh, Portsmouth, obviously, we're watching over our shoulder. But will the rest of the le- the people around us see us as the main threat? I think at the moment, yeah, because we're in that position um, where the where the where they're to be shot at. Mm. Um, I think in terms of being bold, being brave. I think personally, my own cautious personality would say I'd I'd just aim not to lose games from now until the end of the season. You know, there's not not many games left. So how do you set them up then? Um, I mean, who do you play? I mean, imagine everyone's fit and we heard today that uh, the King, Chris Maguire, is back in full training today. That's very exciting for the fans because a lot of fans believe that Chris Maguire is the link between the midfield and the strike force. We've seen Charlie Wyke and Will Grigg start the last game, mm. but do you still think there's a bit of a disconnect there? I mean, I think Honeyman did quite a good job the other night. I think I think Honeyman did really well um, in that Supposedly left wing slot, but I think he, he, he he's did. more central. Wasn't yeah, he? it's he, like floating between. Yeah, he, he the drift, gap drifts in between in between the lines. Um, I think Grig uh, Wyke seems to bring the best out of out of Grig. But then again, you know there was there was times on Tuesday when Wyke was winning headers and, and Grig was nowhere near him. Yeah. Um, so it feels like. Do you think that comes from the the, the way that the midfielders set up? Obviously, we were lacking Aidan McGeady, who obviously loves to get forward. Uh, and it would be great if he was in the start lineup at the weekend as well. Because then the team almost, you know, go 10 yards further forward. You know, uh, I thought mm. Oviedo got down, played, had a quite good game, actually, on yeah, yeah, on, did, on the yeah. left. But, you know, if, it, if everyone's in that mindset of, you know, more attacking, you know, ultimately it's got to lead to more goals. Yeah, I think a lot of the times on Tuesday we were missing out the missing out in the midfield. Mm. Um, it was going very direct, and with with us going direct, we were, we were going long as well. But, but his substitutions were attacking, you know. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you know, every single one mm. even can be coming on to the end. And I, who would I would still argue is an unknown, exciting quantity who you could throw on with ten minutes to go or five minutes to go, and just you know tell him just to cause havoc and he did and he, he almost did the, the other night as well so I don't think I mean I think initially on the evening Jack Ross's substitutions were criticised on, on Tuesday but he, he looks like he's going to go for it and you mm. you know and you, you're suggesting that the philosophy should be to, to outscore teams from here on in yeah I mean what's, what surprised me on Tuesday was that, that he did he did want to go for that win um, I was I, at every point during the game. I thought, well, we're going to get the we're going to get the goal by hook or by crook. We're going to mm. we're you know we're creating chances. That's the thing. There was I think the moment we went one nil down to the deflected goal, and I didn't you know in past seasons would have been like, well, what time is it is yeah. it acceptable to leave right yeah, now? Exactly, yeah. Um, but but you almost knew we would come back into the game, and it wasn't long, of course, until we got the equaliser. Yeah. I'd, so I'd, to I'd... outscore, you know, you'd think you've got the, the personnel on the pitch to do that in the coming games. I had my my daughter along with us on Tuesday, and I was saying it's fine, it's fine, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get this win. Um, it wasn't until about forty seconds from the end of the game when they brought on their third sub, mm. right deep in injury time. I thought we're not going to get this now. Yeah, but yeah, I was I was surprised that he. I think it was it was necessity kind of dictated that yeah. he, that he brought on Kemp Yorker and and Sterling mm. and went three up three up top. It it you know it it didn't ultimately it didn't work for us, but no. it, it did look. Because like midfield, do you think? Something happen. Yeah, yeah. But there was just com- completely missed out in the midfield, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if they'd, they'd trained with that that formation at all. But it just 
it just looked like we'd thrown everything forward. Um, obviously, if that works, it's a great tactical masterstroke. But if we get hit on the break, which looked likely a couple of chances. Yeah, centre-backs, yeah. a bit, bit dodgy at the, uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think... Would you change it for the weekend? I'd, well, no, I probably wouldn't because you'd, you're either looking at bringing in bringing in Dunn. I think Oviedo's done enough to keep his place. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, He's one for you. Would you ever play Denver Hume at right back? I probably would. Um, I think because we've got, we've got this, done. we've got this store, never-ending story. Luke O'Nine is a, is a, the revelation of the season at mm. right back, um, and it, it does cause a bit of conversation between fans because you know he's obviously a very nice guy. He's very you know a great character to have around the club, and that goes a, a long way as a Sunderland player. Yeah, but obviously he's not a right back. He has done really well this season, and he is. A lot better going forward than he is in defence, but he does put his body on the line. Um, but would you prefer to see, um, you know, a, a proper or a, inverted commas right back there than Luke O'Nine? I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I, I like I like what Luke O'Nine does going forward, but defensively, I still think. And do you think teams are exploiting that? I think there's a there's a case of that. Yeah, I mean, positionally, sometimes he's. He's slow to come back mm-hmm. when he when he needs to. He he, he drifts out of position, um, which is great if you're a kind of a, a, a midfielder that that can kind of fill in the gaps here and there. Yeah. But when you're playing right back, you've got to be pretty disciplined. You you know you've got to be in a, in a line with the rest of your defenders. Yeah. And sometimes there's there's no line there, and you can drive a bus between the gap. Yeah. In the gap between with him yeah. in the in the centre halves, and it does drag other players out of position. Because positionally, well. sometimes they're, you know. Yeah, and it, it, you can see other players kind of filling in. For where O nine should be, and you, mm. you can see that there's a bit of consternation there. And he, it, I don't know, it just just seems to me maybe I notice it a bit more because I know he's a centre midfielder playing right back. But when you watch him play out of position, when you watch him uh, out of possession, yeah, you notice that, yeah, it, he, there's, there's work that he could that he yeah. could do. Yeah, um, but you but you're saying we should you know set up and certainly an attacking side, start with as many forward thinking players as we can on Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah, I would. I, would... I think I, I argue they obviously they need the points, but they would take a point. The point would be a great result for Coventry, given the circumstances of our chase as well. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we can completely close the door on four four two yet, despite you know despite what happened on Tuesday. No. Um, you know, I, th- I think we were a bounce of the ball, we were a lick of paint away from from getting a you know a com- what would be a comfortable win. Yeah, we hit um, the post a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, and, you know. and the the wake miss early on. Yeah, had he scored that, yeah, it would have been a different different story yeah. second half. So you know that that's four four two. It does miss out the midfield. We do go direct. Yeah, but it it does seem to be creating more chances than it than than playing four two three one does. Yeah. Um, that said, we've got we, we may have to take a different approach away from home, but certainly for the home games, I'd be looking to keep it. And speaking of those home games, Richard, there is rumoured and reported that uh, up to eighty flags going to be in the Roker end on uh, Saturday afternoon for the first time, I think, ever attempted at the Stadium of Light. The mm. uh, Red and White Army have um, invested some time and money into getting these fl- flags created with the uh, the club on board as well, and they're going to be. Well, fl- f- flown um, before <laughs> before the game on Saturday to try and help create that atmosphere. Just how important is a positive atmosphere? Do you think as we have the run in towards the end of the season, we've got the club coming out with this new campaign, fire up our city, and you've got George Humming doing the voiceover on a very emotive video. Mm. It's it's all building towards what could be a wonderful end to the season, and it could even be summed up, uh, 
all done by the Portsmouth game. That could be a celebration after that. Yeah. Let's hope it is, and it doesn't go right to, to the wire. But you know, it would look great, great wouldn't it? Uh, you know yeah. the south the Roker sorry Roker end when you said yeah. south stand but now now you know that's been established for a few years now has been you know an, an all Sunderland end the, the away fans are up in the up in the gods now and rightly so you know seeing what what Burton did on Tuesday with with their uh, however many fans they brought sixty seventy fans sixty four sixty four fans um, I mean the the Fraser could have come in a taxi is probably probably uh, and the guy I got for the halftime challenge who was actually from the northeast but a Burton fan right so does he count. Uh, well, uh, I'm not having that. 63. Yeah, 63. Like yeah, 64 minus one. But yeah, I mean that that South Stand is a re- uh, the Rock End is a real kind of kind of monument to 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 the home support. I've been in there a few times, and the atmosphere is fantastic. Having all the flags in there and just kind of creating that that wall of support, you know, willing team on. It, and it will it be intimidating can... to a certain extent as well to yeah, away fans if we have that. If we get that kind of, oh, I think what uh, the mindset is behind that that, that kind of. Dortmund yellow wall yeah. isn't it that's what they want and who who, who wouldn't want that you know it, it can't be a negative thing you can't view it as saying oh well that's going to be counterproductive or you say know? like oh I don't like that yeah I, I don't oh, I don't like that flag yeah well I've I've seen a bit of that on social media a few people saying you know that flag doesn't why is everyone up. so critical about everything I don't know I think I think I've I've had I got into a little bit of oh have you had some beef a, a little have bit you been, of beef. have you been trolled uh, no no I I just kind of politely pointed out that these people are are, are volunteers and. You know, if you don't like it, make your own flag, which you know they're quite entitled like, to do. You know, you went and made off, made your own check a trade trophy. Exactly. You know, right. Lead by example, Richard. You know, I'd, I'd happily carry a flag into the, the stadium if I knew that it was going to, you know, spur the team on. I think a lot of the the, the flags that I've seen um, over social media the last week or so look look really good. Yeah, they, they do. You know, this they're, they're drawn on historical kits, you know, historical kits, and, yeah, and, and emblems from our past, and I think it looks it looks I, really good. And I've heard in the pipeline as well as more. Um, pulls on the past as well, planned uh, for for the the Volkerend as well. So that's all going to be unveiled in the next couple of weeks. It's 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 all it's it's nice to put a bit of personality in the stadium, isn't it? Which we've had for twenty one years, finally. Yeah, and it's it you know for me it, it it's the the place I've gone to the most as as in my life. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Sunderland, it's it's you know it's a major part of it, and it it always has felt like home, hmm. but. You know, if it's taken us twenty-one years to put a few few pictures up on the wall, it's it's a, you know it's a bit of a concern. I think it's happening now, though. Yeah, it's, it's happening, happening now, and it, it's a great thing. Um, the you know the fans are going to get behind them on on Saturday. It's going to look pretty good. Mm. Um, it, it, it as I say, it can't not help the team. Yeah, it should be good. So keep an eye out for that. And wise men say, uh, as it's been called, but it's actually called Can't Help Falling In Love With You. The Elvis track is going to be belted out before kickoff once again, as it was on Tuesday. I think they've got the the idea from how successful it was at Wembley. Of course, it's happened before in previous seasons, but you know, these things need to be implemented. You know, the fans need to lead on these things, you know, and just remind maybe the regimes or, you know, the ownership of, you know, what traditions we like. It, it's, a good, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because it's a new era to a certain extent, but some things need to you know, be prevalent still. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's a season where where we try stuff on the pitch. We also we know everyone's trying stuff off the pitch as well. You know, it's it's twenty twenty as you say twenty one years since we moved into there. We don't play ready to go anymore. Yeah. I don't think there were any tears about that yet. Well, I think that uh, was a hit at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I hear it on I hear it on the I heard it on the, the the office playlist the other day, and I, I thought, you know, this 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 brings us back. But yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a new history now. It's yeah. a new page. Um, I, I like hearing 
I like hearing wise men say it was such a moment at Wembley wasn't it yeah it was I, mean, I, I only caught the tail end of it so yeah thanks for that Richard that was yeah. my moment well I was I was fighting my way through from block 517 through to block 505 where I was sitting I was fighting through crowds because I knew it was coming on yeah so I, I didn't get out in time but I mean for you what was what was what was that like um, it was a pretty proud moment. I mean, yeah. me, me, Bolly, Kev, oh, Kevin Ball, uh, had a, had a moment on the pitch because he was doing the piece with me on the pitch, and we just kind of like put our arms around each other, looked up, and thought, "Wow, this is really something." And the players were obviously moved by it, mm. and they have they've shared it themselves on social media, saying, "You know, we were trying to warm up during this, and we couldn't help but take it in. We were yeah. taken back." And it was, a, it was a real moment. It was really yeah. good. But probably, the videos looked looked amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I came up during the tail end of the, the song and joined in, and it was, it was you know... 40, but wouldn't it be great to have thousands. that every single home game, just before kickoff? Everyone stands with the, the you know, scarves above their head. It's kind of like, oh, you'll never walk alone moment, you know? And it's, it's not contrived, but it's completely organic, how that song came yeah. about. And, you know, it'd be really good if we could... Replicate that. It's and a tradition, tradition that other clubs follow. You know, Sheffield Wednesday have um, High Ho Silver Lining, which they play just mm. before kickoff. Yeah. Um, I think Crystal Palace do something similar. Yeah. Um, and it 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 really does get the get the crowd going. You know, and just, the players. Yeah. Yeah. Just that little silence just before kickoff, and just a massive roar. There we go. go. Well, let's hear a massive roar at the weekend prediction time, Richard. Unless you want to discuss anything else. Oh, didn't you have an issue with health and safety? <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Richard's scared about cars driving around the stadium just before kickoff. But I, I just reassured him that most of those cars, in fact, all of them, have to be uh, authorised to walk, drive through there. It's either people with season ticket parking or yeah. disabled parking. So you can calm down with that, Richard, okay? I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Victor Meldrew over there. <laughs> uh, prediction time. Predictions, I would say a tentative 2 1. 2 1. Yeah. It's it wouldn't be unusual for that to happen. I, I'll go along with that, and the three points would be very welcome and uh, should see us sitting in second position still. Uh, Richard, thanks for your time tonight. No problem. Uh, just a reminder, you can go back and listen to the Terry Butcher podcast. I believe the first one's out. Uh, the second one's not out yet, I don't believe. No, uh, not yet. Not yet. It's uh, a treat. Oh, you were present for yeah, that. Yeah, I was down there for that. He's the, the second one um, obviously touches on his, his time as, as manager as opposed to just player. Yeah. Um, and that's that's when some real real good real good stories come out of that. Yeah, absolutely worth going and checking out. Uh, the guys will be back probably post game on Saturday with reaction with James and then Stephen Gareth will be back early next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>